0: So in a second, I'm going to ask Malcolm, very pleased to have you here. Malcolm, thank you very much for coming. We look forward to what God has to say uh, through you in just a minute. And um, we're going to to read um, some words from uh, Revelation.
1: Revelation 21 and starting at verse 1. Malcolm's going to be talking about this
0: in his sermon. If you want to grab your Bible or not, that's fine revelation chapter 21 starting at verse 1. and this uh, this passage is entitled in my bible a new heaven and a new earth then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea i saw the holy city the new jerusalem for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of seven last plagues, came and said to me, come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. (coughs) It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long. The angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick. The wall was made of Jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, agate, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, onyx, the sixth, ruby, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, turquoise, the eleventh, jacinth, and the twelfth, amethyst. The twelve gates were twelve pearls, Each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, as pure as transparent glass. We did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, but the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life.
1: May God bless his words to us. I'm going to pray for Malcolm as he comes up and preaches the word
0: to us. Father God, we thank you for Malcolm. We thank you for, for his gifts. And we just ask you, Lord, uh, to anoint him now in your spirit. Bless him as he speaks your word. And may uh, his words be your words. In the name of Jesus.
1: Amen. Amen. The as well. May I speak in the name of the one true and living God thank you for inviting me once again it's the third time i've stood here you're simply hoping that with practice i'll, I'll eventually get it right <laughs> i'm going to start with a with a question how many of you are easily taken in by all the misinformation that's going on out there now there are a number of commonly thought truths which are in fact misinformation one of those is that um carrots can help you see in the dark no they can't they may be very good for you but they don't Influence your night vision at all. Another one might be that uh, vitamin C helps if you catch a cold. That's time you've caught a cold, it's probably too late, so uh, that doesn't really happen either. And one that surprised me when I was uh, looking this up the Great Wall of China is visible from space. No, it isn't, certainly not with the naked eye. You can't see the Great Wall of China from from outer space. I can also remember my mother telling telling me not to uh, swallow chewing gum if I did, it would stick to my lungs. anybody else told that. I don't know where yes. she got that from, but that was, yeah. it, that was one. And another one she told me was that if I pull up a funny face and the wind changes <laughs> the direction, <laughs> yeah, you've yeah. heard that one. Your face will stick in that expression until the wind changes again. So I'm glad it's not just my quirky family saying so these things. Others are familiar with them as well. But at, at a more serious level, there are groups out there saying that COVID-19 is not a thing. Or the vaccine contains items that will allow others to c- control your mind all sorts of there's you know, interesting ideas out there that some people sign up to and believe and there's all sorts of misinformation going on about uh, what's going on in ukraine probably particularly from the russian side but we don't really know all what's going on out there so there's a lot of stuff which is you know, quite scary but all this is information or misinformation that's going on in the world around us things that we might be able to see, facts that we can perhaps check up on or at least research into. So if it's possible to be misled by things in our experience, misinformation about this world, imagine the potential for misinformation about the next world and what happens when we die. Now, some people out there believe there is no heaven. Others believe that everyone goes to heaven. Or there's uh, people out there who think you just simply have to be good in order to get into heaven. All those thoughts out there, all this misinformation, and even those that believe that there is a heaven often get it wrong as well. You know, there are some people out there who think that uh, when you die, you turn into to an angel. Um, they probably wouldn't go quite as far as thinking you sit on a cloud playing a harp, but you never know. There may be people that sign up to that one as well. Or there are other people out there who think that heaven is like being in one long, boring mm-hmm. church service. You know, not something that you would ever experience in, it go down that route at all. But there are some people who think that heaven is a bit like that, that's really, really boring. So, with all this misinformation out there, what is it the Bible actually does tell us about what happens when we die about heaven? Well, heaven is mentioned actually some 500 times. So, we, there should be some clues in there somewhere about what it's really all about. There are things set out there that many of you, I think, will be surprised to hear. All sorts of things that you don't associate with what happens when you die. Now, when we get to today's passage, which Nick so helpfully read a little while ago, Revelation 21, we're really now looking at the final phase of God's plan for eternity. And before we get there, quite a lot of things have already happened. So what happens? What is really going on here? Well, the Bible makes it quite clear that when we die, our spirit does go to be with God. But that isn't the end of it by a long way. It's not our final state. That's almost like a a temporary heaven as we await our resurrection bodies. And I'll speak about that in just a moment. And you may recall Jesus at his crucifixion, telling the thief that today you'll be with me in paradise. So it's going to be with him that day. Not in heaven, but in paradise. And you may be familiar with the account of Lazarus and the rich man, where they're on two sides and there's a great divide in between them. Again, indicating that, a, a temporary situation. Now, the first surprising thing that many people often don't know about is that Jesus is coming back to receive his church. Now, Jesus, that way, will come in the air. He won't actually touch down on earth. Uh, and the believers at that time would actually go up to meet him in the clouds, so there will be a time when all Christians are suddenly taken out and those that are left behind will probably be wondering what on earth is going on. So the Christians will rise and the dead in their resurrection bodies, that's where that bit comes from, will also join him, that's in one Thessalonians 4, often known as the rapture of, of the church. And another surprising thing perhaps to getting your head around is that over a period of seven years, The earth suffers what is known as the Great Tribulation, causing widespread destruction and death over all the earth. It has some similarities to the Great Plains of Egypt, but it's far more widespread and far more destructive. And then during that time, Jesus will actually physically return to earth. He will actually touch down at that point. He will return in his glory and he will stand on the Mount of Olives overlooking the city of Jerusalem. And at that point, Israel will actually recognize him for who he truly is. And another surprising thing, which people may not know about, and this out there, is that Jesus then rules on the earth with the faithful believers, that is us, for a thousand years, the millennial kingdom as it's known as. That's in Revelation 20 and also in Acts 3. So all these things happen. It's not just simply a matter of going to heaven and you stay there. There's various hazes, but that isn't quite the end of it, because it then leads us on to today's passage, where John, the writer of Revelation, tells us that following this thousand-year rule, God's judgment will then happen, and heaven and earth will then pass away. They will be destroyed. They will no longer exist. But it's not just John saying that. Jesus, in his own words, stated that heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So Jesus is telling us it's all going to to come to an end, that's in Matthew 24. And we get the same message in Peter where he says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, the heavens will disappear with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed by fire. So everything we see now is temporary. God created it, and he will ultimately destroy it. Now that all sounds very drastic, you know, quite scary in many ways. But there is some good news as well, that accompanies all of this, that everything will be made fresh. There will be a new heaven. There will be a new earth. There will be a new city, Jerusalem, which uh, as described in the passage, descends from this new heaven. Now, when it says new, it doesn't mean just recreating the same things all over again. It means totally new, a different kind, a different quality, a different sort of design. Now, John in the passage, sadly, doesn't describe in detail the new earth, but he endeavors, as far as his, shall we say, limited vocabulary will allow, to describe the new holy city of Jerusalem. And he's taken by the angel to actually see it. Um, he likens it to all sorts of precious gems and pure gold. So he's trying to use picture language to try and describe this amazing thing that he's seeing. But in amongst it, we do actually get some, some real facts. Um, we're told that it's a cube, which may sound rather strange, it's 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles high, which is about 780,000 stories, if you imagine it as a building. And to bring us sort of more topical re- reference, it's about the same distance between London and Kyiv, about two and a quarter million square miles in space, so it's quite something. If you're struggling to try and uh, get, get a picture of its dimensions, it's just a little bit smaller than the moon. You know, how amazing it is that? And this new city will be the dwelling of God, who will now be with his people. And many people think that God is distant or invisible or not really with us. But it's like going back to how it was in the time of Moses, where God... God's presence, uh, he inhabited the, the tabernacle in the wilderness when the uh, Jews were finding their way to the promised land. But the tabernacle at that time comprised outer rooms and inner court, but also the holy of holies. And interestingly enough, the holy of holies then was also a cube. And instead of being 1,400 miles long, it was 14 feet in each direction. So it's not entirely surprising in many ways that one would choose to dwell in something for eternity that's, you know, the same shape and proportions as what he dwelt in once before. Now this is probably sounding quite different to how you imagined heaven and the afterlife to be, but should we expect it to be familiar, it is something very different. And in fact, C.S. Lewis considered this himself. He wrote in one of his books where I quote, Our ability to imagine what eternity will be like is like two babies in the womb talking about what they will be doing when they are 25 years old. You know, it really is that difficult as we imagine. And while it's difficult to imagine, we do know things that are going to happen there. As Nick read earlier on, we were told there will be no sadness, no death, no crying, no pain in the New Earth. And there may well be people here today who are in pain, maybe even chronic pain, but that will go at this, this time never to return. We will all have our perfect resurrection bodies. Now, some of you today may think you have a perfect body. Or two knots, maybe I don't know. Perfect body, but you know, if you have, believe me, it won't last. Your gravity will eventually take its toll on you. But when we get our resurrection bodies, they will be perfect. So in summary, we will have a real kingdom of God. It will start in Israel, and Jerusalem. There will be a real Messiah on the throne for a thousand years and then there'll be the complete destruction. And then the wonderful part is the new heaven, new earth, and the new Jerusalem. It will be amazing to be part of it. So that's the background. What does it actually mean? What is all this leading to? Well, to my reading, it means that uh, for non-Christians, the worst is yet to come. COVID and the situation uh, over in uh, Ukraine and other places, it's just the beginning things are going to get an awful lot worse, the Bible tells us that things will get a lot worse you know, the tribulation is coming some believe it isn't actually that far away. And every part of the earth will suffer so for those people, the worst is yet to come, but if you're a Christian, the best is yet to come, which is brilliant news now imagine not being a Christian at this time you know, you're growing old you're going through all the things that you'll go through the aches. The pains, the losing people that we love. In fact, in many ways, the only good things that are left are the memories we hold. There is nothing positive to look forward to. But as a believer, while things may be difficult, they may be painful to come, but it's only going to become totally, totally awesome. There will be no pain. There will be no sorrow. And in fact, the one thing you won't say in the new heaven is have a good day, because every day will be a good day. Now, the the final thing about heaven that many people don't know about or don't want to know about, and this is quite sad, is that not everyone will be there. There will be people we love who sadly won't be there. Not everyone goes to heaven, which is a a bit of misinformation out there. Some people believe quite simply that you are born, that if you're good, you then die, and you then go to heaven. But the Bible makes it clear who goes there? And in the verse 7 that we read today, it tells us that those who are victorious, that is, the faithful, the people that remain faithful to, to Jesus all the way through, will inherit this, will inherit this glorious future. And God says, I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, unbelieving, which is where there's a real challenge to us for our friends and family who don't believe, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, Those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulphur of the second death. But it's not totally gloomy on that front. There are some who have committed those sins who will be in heaven. Those who turn to Jesus, those who repent of what they have done, they will be forgiven those things. They will be there, and their names will be in the lands of life in verse 27, we're told that nothing impure will ever enter the holy city, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life will enter the holy city. So you'll be pleased to know that heaven won't be like one long, boring church service. It will be God totally blowing our minds with his power, with his majesty, with his glory, with his love. In fact, it's going to take all of eternity for God to show you the fullness of who he really is and how much he really loves you. It is that powerful. So that is what heaven is going to be like. It's going to be glorious and amazing. We will spend time with God out there and have a, you know, a truly powerful time. And there's no misinformation there. Thank you so Amen. Amen. Amen.